I had had this dream that I was giving this reading to a mother and her daughter. And I just remember like I was supporting them and I got this message from them afterwards in this dream saying, you know, you have helped us so much and you've helped to shift our perspective. And, you know, I just remember feeling this dream like so so filled up by that. Like, wow, like I can do that. I can help people in that way. That's amazing. That's all I've ever wanted to do. And I remember my in my past self version in that quote unquote memory, I remember waking up and being like, that was so amazing. And I feel so good as I'm remembering that dream. But then my mind came in and was like, that will never be possible for you. You know, you can never do that. Like, that's not your life. (laughs) Like, who are you to think that that's something that's possible for you? And so my present self went in and kind of like worked with my past self on that memory and was just like, it's so possible for you. Like you're doing it right now. You are living this right now. What you're doing, what you were doing in that dream, like you can do this and you will do this and you are doing this and just like keep going. Welcome to the show. My name is Emily Green, otherwise known as Emily the Medium. This show is a space for spiritual seekers to explore all of the topics they're craving to hear more about. We'll cover things like spirit babies, conscious conception, spiritual awakening, the age of Aquarius, developing psychic abilities, 5D consciousness, and so much more. Let's dive in. We are throwing it back today. We're doing a Emily the Medium podcast classic, aka a Q&A episode. We haven't done one in so long. And I've been so excited. I've been collecting pages upon pages of questions. Today I have about two pages, almost 20 questions. Probably won't get through all of them. I'm going to try. I'm going to try. Maybe I'll try. No, let's try and get through all 20 questions. Let's see what we can do. Let's see what kind of magic we can create. I was actually just checking the analytics for the podcast and saw that some of you were still downloading different Q&As that I did in 2019, 2021. So they're definitely still a favorite. You all definitely still like hearing me answer questions and hearing my perspectives around certain topics. So here we go. We're going to get into some questions today. I'm speaking of old podcast episodes, just with this relaunch of this podcast and seeing just where the downloads are at. It's really funny to see you all downloading episodes from like 2018, 2019, because I'm like, oh, I don't even know what I was talking about then. It's a it's a it's one of those things where, you know, it's kind of uncomfortable to see your like where you were at at a certain point. But I think in another way, it's also really beautiful to see your growth and the growth of your perspectives and the growth of your consciousness and everything else. So y'all can keep listening to those episodes. I don't think I can bring myself to listen to them. So um <laughs> I think, though, every question that I picked today is pretty much, there may be some overlap, there may be some repeats, but I tried to pick questions that I felt that I hadn't answered before. Y'all asked tons of really great questions. If you are wondering how you can ask me a question, periodically over on Instagram, you can find me on Instagram at Emily the Medium. Periodically, I'll open a question box and take questions from all of you on Instagram to let me know what you're curious about and what you want to hear about. So that's what we're going to do today. Without further ado, I think let's just jump in so we can see if we can get to all 20 of these questions. So the first question is, if you're pregnant with a baby that's had a rough past life, how can you help them? This is a really great question. And I don't personally know the person who asked this question, but I love that 
this person already has an awareness that the soul of their child is already coming in after having potentially kind of a, a tricky or a tough previous incarnation. And I think this is really good information for parents to have at least some form of an understanding around. Now, I don't know how this person got that information, whether they received it through their own intuitive channel or somebody else told them about this. Either way, I think it's really valuable to understand this because when we have an understanding of the soul history of our child or we have some pieces of the puzzle, it allows us to be able to understand them better, right? It's like, you know, getting this new being that shows up in your family and having no idea anything about their soul's history or their soul's journey, which most people don't because they don't, they're not aware that they can have that information and that they can receive that information for themselves, which is why I'm such a big, why I shout from the rooftops around like building a connection and a relationship with the energies of your children before they come here so that you can get this information beforehand. You know, I know so many people whose children have landed in their families with a wide array of different past life traumas that they're still carrying in their system and their bodies, different fears and things like this. And it's sort of like they're having to start from ground zero and figure out how to support their children. So, you know, I think my point with all of this is that awareness is incredibly powerful. And that if we can use our awareness of a situation of even if it's again, even if it's just a couple of pieces of information about our our child's past life and what they may have endured and kind of how that's how that could potentially impact or affect or influence their present lifetime, awareness is key. Because then from there, as very intuitive beings and mothers, you know, the mother's aura especially in the first few years of a baby coming earthside, but really throughout the entirety of her child's life is very intuitive. And it usually knows what to do for her child. It usually knows what steps to take and where to go and what helps to get them and how to support them. So I think awareness is key. I think also, you know, it could be really beautiful for a child who is coming onto the earth plane again after a particularly difficult past incarnation, you know, starting in with different sorts of healing techniques and modalities as soon as possible, doing, you know, craniosacral therapy, infant massage, doing energy healing on your infant or with your infant you know, just creating a really safe environment. Like it's almost kind of like if you were in their shoes and you were a newborn baby coming into the world, what would you need in order to feel safe? You know, what would help you acclimate? What would help you feel safe? What would help you, you know, kind of have an awareness of your your past incarnation trauma, but, but also knowing that this is a new incarnation that you're coming into now. And that's the other thing that I would say is like souls have a process in between lifetimes and that the time in between lifetimes is really individual for each soul energy. But we're prepared usually before we come into a new incarnation. You know, we've done work on reviewing and processing a past incarnation that was particularly difficult. We've worked with different teachers and guides in order to help us understand, you know, why it went that way, how our choices may have kind of created those situations in certain ways. Um, how other people's free will may have collided with our own free will. So we've usually done a lot of the work in between incarnations. And so usually a, usually a soul is feeling mostly processed as they're coming into a, a new incarnation. However, 
everything changes when they get here, right? When they're back in the same frequency, if, if they were on Earth before, they're coming back onto Earth again. It's sort of like, okay, I'm back in the trenches, you know? So it's all about the energy down here and how it feels. And so I think the best thing that we can do is just like, Think about it from our perspective. If we were a newborn baby and we were coming in and we, ha- we were carrying certain soul memories and fears and things like this, what would be supportive for us? But I think it's like, it's never too early to start energetically and spiritually supporting your child. And again, I think that mothers usually know intuitively what that looks like and how they can do that. And I think that a big part of what I'm trying to do and what I'm here to do and more of what I'll be creating in the future is just different tools for parents to support these new earth children, like having a new earth children support toolkit. It's really something that I, I'm, I want to create and I'm creating, I'm in the process of creating it now. So I hope that's helpful to this person who asked this question and anybody else who is working with a child who has a rough past life or who has had a rough past life. Okay. Actually, I just want to tell a quick story just on that topic before we move to the next question. See, this is probably why I can't get through all the questions because one question leads into the tangent of another question. I'm like, oh, I could talk about this. That's just how my mind works. But I was working with a family who their spirit baby was basically showing her, this mother, in a dream, a very traumatic past life experience that this spirit baby had had in order to make her aware of it. And, you know, this spirit, I remember this mother came to me because she was worried that, that this spirit baby was the memory that the spirit baby showed the mother was incredibly traumatic for both the soul and obviously for this mother to see. Um, And she was just worried, you know, about like, oh my gosh, this happened and this is so terrible. And, you know, what do I do about it? And the child was really just showing the mother, this experience, exactly like I said earlier, to have, to bring her into awareness about it. It's almost sort of like catching her up or looping her in and sort of like, this is what I had an experience of. I'm obviously not looking to have that extremely challenging experience again. And your awareness is basically going to help me move through this life, even though I had this challenging soul memory. So anyway, It's a great question and a very interesting topic that I could probably spend another 30 minutes just on that question alone, telling all kinds of different stories, but we'll leave it there for now. All right, next question. This person says, are there different vibe babies? My low density sister-in-law can't stop getting pregnant, whereas we have waited so long for our high vibrational baby. Why does it seem like some people can get pregnant no problem and other more conscious people take so much longer to conceive? So this is a big question and there's so many different places that we could go with this. The first thing that I will say is that it is our human, the way that the human sort of psyche and the, the, the consciousness on planet Earth is wired right now is one of polarity. It's a polarity planet. We primarily live in pri- polarity consciousness here. And polarity consciousness is being trapped in this sort of viewpoint of good good versus evil, left versus right, yin versus yang, feminine versus masculine, this kind of opposition, this, this constant polarity, this constant opposition, and only being able to kind of hold one of the two opposites. I'm pro this, I'm anti that, I'm anti this, I'm pro that. That is kind of how our consciousness is, that's like the the factory setting, 
right? And we are really trying to, part of what we're doing in this current age is to restore that factory setting or not even restore it, to completely upgrade the factory settings to a whole new consciousness and a whole new programming. And that programming is unity consciousness of seeing everything as, you know, one and there's no separation and we're all connected to each other. And there's this unity, this love, this acceptance, this non-judgment and all these things. And so I think that when we're going through a challenging experience, when we are in our on our own personal conception journey and we feel that we have done so much work and we have we're so we're such a conscious person person and we've done lots of spiritual work and all these different things. And then we look at other people who we perceive them to not be doing the same amount of work as us, or they're not conscious, they're perhaps not taking care of themselves in the way that we are. Maybe they have a lower awareness of themselves or their lives or whatever. And the human brain kind of wants to go, well, why am I over here doing all of these things, jumping through all of these hoops for my children? And, you know, this person is over here doing none of those things and they're still able to get pregnant and I am not, right? It's, it's, it's creating this opposition. It's creating this polarity, which is really what we're trying to get out of. So that's the first thing that I want to say. To answer the question, um, you know, I think that for some souls, they need less before they come into an incarnation. So I wouldn't say that the souls that are coming to this person's sister-in-law are necessarily lower density. I think it's possible that these energies just needed less before they, they wanted to come in. They didn't have as much preparation to do. Perhaps timing wasn't as important to them. Perhaps they were just sort of looking to jump right into their next incarnation very quickly without a lot of time for contemplation and reflection in between incarnations. You know, there's a lot of different factors. There's a lot of different reasons that this could happen. But that's the first thing that I want to say is I think when we need to kind of expand our consciousness around this situation and and navigate our conception journey from this new place, like I am on this path and I am on my own unique path and myself and my children are on a unique path together. And that path cannot be compared to anybody else who is in a different situation than me, a similar situation than me. They're a different kind of person than I am. They're a similar person than I am. It's like, why is this person, you know, doing this and I'm doing this, but they are getting pregnant and I'm not, right? It's this kind of tendency, I think, that a lot of us can have while we're on a conception path to sort of compare ourselves to other people's journeys to try and make sense of them, right? And you're not going to be able to make sense of another person's journey by looking at their journey, right? You are only going to be able to make set to understand and have a deeper awareness of your journey and its timing and your children and their timing by going deeper within yourself and understanding more from that place. Okay. So that's how I want to answer that question. And I'm really glad that this person had the courage to, to ask that question because I think it's a great one. And I think it can really support other people who maybe have wondered the same. Okay, next question. Are spirit babies ever linked to a male partner versus a female partner? So this is a good question. I'm going to answer this question from sort of a hetero, you know, relationship point of view in same-sex relationships. This concept actually still applies to same-sex relationships. So 
but I am going to use the language of like father versus mother or male versus female just for um, just for this example. So this is the, this person's asking a question around the terminology that I would use as this is my terminology. I don't know if any other spirit baby people are using this terminology, but a primary link parent. So sometimes for some children, there is what we call a primary link parent. And this is where a spirit baby has a person that they are primarily linked to. It is their most important connection. This is the parent that they are going to make their way into their world, no matter what, no matter what the circumstances are. This is primary link. Now, sometimes this can be the, the mother who's, who's carrying the child. Sometimes this can be the father. I would say in my experience that most commonly, mothers are usually the primarily primary link parent. However, it's not always the case. I have actually seen that fathers or male counterparts in a relationship, in a hetero relationship, are the primary link. And they are actually the ones who are bringing the spirit babies in. So I think it just depends on the situation. It just depends on the person. It depends on the relationship that a spirit baby has with whoever their primary link parent is. But just to say it is definitely possible, and I've talked to a lot of different people who have a spirit baby that is connected to a father and a primary link. And I'll see this actually a lot with uh, parents or fathers who have children, usually very young, very early in life. And then they part, the father parts ways with the, with the birth mother. Perhaps the birth mother like stays in the child's life. Perhaps they don't. And then this child in there and the father will kind of move along. Perhaps the father will find another partner. And then this father is kind of coming in with this primary link child and joining another family unit or a family structure in the future. So I see this a lot. Actually, it's, it's quite a common configuration and I've been seeing it more and more and more. So to answer this person's question, it definitely is possible for a spirit baby to be linked to the father counterpart and then in you know same sex relationships or different kind of relationship configurations it just depends on who the primary link is with now i also see that sometimes a spirit baby has a primary link to both parents they're connected very strongly to both parents i'll usually see is what i also can sometimes see is that a child will have a primary link to one partner or, or the other from very early on in that person's life. So let's say, you know, primary link from the time that a person was like six or seven years old, as early as that. And then when that person meets their partner, wherever that happens along their path, then that spirit baby can, creates a primary link to that other person as well. So they are linked very strongly to both parties. That's also something that can happen. So Again, just scratching the surface here with everything to do with spirit babies and incarnations and, you know, all these different things, especially now it's getting more and more and more complicated, more nuanced and more complex. So when I'm answering a question, you know, I'm doing my best to cover all of the possibilities. I, when I post things or when I'm posting information, you know, I have an, an inevitable people going, what about this? Or what about that? Or I had this experience and you didn't touch on that. And what about me? You know, and I can't always cover every single outcome or possibility. And as always with each person to person, 
and every spirit baby connection and relationship, it's unique, right? And it's unique to you. It's unique to your your experiences. So I'm doing my best to cover all outcomes and possibilities. Somebody, this is so cute. Somebody said, what is your podcasting setup like? Your pods always sound so good. Well, that is so sweet. Thank you so much for saying that. I don't have a fancy podcast setup, but I do have a, a nice podcast microphone. I do make sure that I'm recording in a room that doesn't have echo, that has carpet. You know, I make sure I'm recording at times of the day that are like quieter and there's nothing happening and the mail person isn't coming. My dog's not barking and my husband isn't, you know, stomping loudly through the house. So I don't know. I just, it's not fancy. It's definitely just like a good microphone in a good location with not a lot of background noise. And I also have an amazing podcast editor. So thank you for saying that. That was so cute. Maybe smile. Somebody says, what is the new earth? I love this question. What is the new earth? So this is a terminology. I actually don't know who originally coined this terminology, the new earth. It came onto my radar. Well, first of all, I was aware of this shift in frequency that was happening on planet earth before I was even aware of the terminology new earth. And I really believe that's my that's my understanding that in this time that we're living on the planet, we're going through a massive transformation of how the planet is structured and how it's set up and how the consciousness works within the minds of and the hearts of the human beings on this planet. And that we are at this very significant turning point in time where the earth who is a living sentient being, the earth has a soul, the earth has a spirit and a consciousness of her own, is ready to shift frequencies. She is ready to shift into a higher state of being. And in order to do that, needs the inhabitants on living on her and, and you know, it, it, coexisting with her. She needs the inhabitants of planet earth to shift as well. And so I believe that the new earth is this kind of new planetary frequency that we are moving into as a collective. And I think that this is a very kind of subtle thing. This is happening on a very subtle level, but I also think in many ways this is happening on a very physical level where there's a lot of things in the way that things are working physically here on the earth that are changing. I first came into awareness of the terminology of New Earth through Dolores Cannon's work. I absolutely love her work. I think she left an incredible legacy on the planet. She passed away in 2014. I'm just a huge fan of the way that she chose to collect and share her information. She considered herself, you know, a reporter of lost knowledge, which in some ways I consider myself that as well, just in a different way. Um, But if you're interested in reading more about the new earth, um, you can check out Dolores Cannon's work. She's the only one that I know that has talked about it. And I actually secretly love that she was writing these books, you know, in the late 80s, in the 90s and in the early 2000s, because as you're going back and reading through them, at least for me, I'm like, yeah, this is this is like these are books that were written for right now, like in the times that we're in right now. And I have actually connected with Dolores Cannon's soul energy quite a bit. And that's something that, you know, I don't know if she, my feeling is that I don't think she fully recognized the depth 
and the reach of her work and how prominent the work and the research that she put in during her time on the planet was going to be in supporting the collective awakening and the shift to the new earth. I just think, and, and I've connected with her now and she like fully understands that now and is really working on kind of like spreading her information and in her books. And that's why I think her books are really having like a moment right now, because I really think that they were written for right now. So if you're curious to know more about New Earth and what that transition looks like, you can read Dolores Cannon's work. The one thing that I will say is that there is quite a bit of, like still quite a bit of confusion around what that shift is going to look like. And I'm not going to pretend to say that I know exactly what it's going to look like. I have theories. I have my own personal thoughts and opinions on what I, what I think the shift to the new earth is going to look like and feel like and be like. But there's still quite a bit of like confusion and kind of fear-based frequency out there of like, what's it going to be like? And am I going to be in my physical body through this transition? And am I going to lose people? And am I going to, you know, go away from here? And all these things. And I think that it's it's not as black and white as that. That's what I will say for anybody who's diving into the new earth material and you're like, what is this going to look like? You know, and I really, I really... This is a topic that we can definitely revisit on this on this podcast. I think that like exploring the frequencies of the new earth could be a whole episode in and of itself. So is that something you're interested in? Let me know and we'll, we'll do an episode just on that. Okay, next question. How to trust your spiritual gifts when they don't feel obvious like some people's? Yeah. So again, we're back to this concept of how we have this tendency as human beings to compare our personal experiences and our journeys to other people's in order to have another reference point. And, you know, I think what's very important to say here is that we love having an experience and being able to share that experience and having somebody say, oh my God, me too. That's how I experience it too. That was my experience too. I think that that form of connection is very powerful. We're really wired for that kind of connection with other people. And so I think sometimes when we're experiencing our gifts in a certain way, and it's very specific and very unique to us, and then we're hearing somebody else talk about their gifts that manifest in a completely different way than our gifts do, and we kind of go, oh my gosh, well, mine don't happen like that. That's not what happens for me or like, that's not how I get information or it's never that strong for me or I don't get it this way. You know, and I see this a lot in people who have abilities that are maybe manifesting a bit more subtly where it's really soft and really gentle and really quiet and they have to really pay attention in order to actually like receive and download and integrate this information. And I think that, you know, that's honestly was my experience for a long time as my abilities were like really subtle, really soft. I had to really like focus in order to separate the way that information was coming through and how that differentiated from my logical thinking mind. But over the years and as time has gone on and as I've begun to trust myself, you know, so deeply, so fully, you know, it, it, it becomes more prominent. It becomes more loud. It becomes more obvious to use this person's terminology. So I would just say, you know, resist the urge to compare yourself to other people's journeys because you are on your own unique path. You have unique abilities that are unique to you and that those are ever progressing and they're ever evolving. So if you'd like them to be different than they are, see if you can 
feel into just accepting them where they're at instead of trying to turn your abilities into something different. I think there are definitely phases and seasons of like evolution and development and like going deeper and getting stronger and all these things. But I also think we need to recognize like when we're just meant to work with our abilities in the way that they're currently presenting and that they're going to have their natural evolution as we continue on our spiritual journey and our spiritual path. Okay, so that's what I would say to that question. I hope that helps. Somebody said, what is the craziest psychic experience you've ever had? I feel like my life is just a series of of psychic experiences. Like it's so my perception of reality and my abilities and what I can see is so ingrained into my life that I don't necessarily know that I can like separate and be like, this is amazing or this was crazy or this was the craziest thing that's ever happened to me. I mean, there are little things to moderate things to big things that happen to me every day. I actually kind of feel like my life is just one large everlasting synchronicity, you know, like just even today, like I was striving to get a brow wax and was thinking about something in particular and Literally five seconds later, this car pulled up in front of me and it had this number sequence that I relate to the thing that I was thinking about. It was like instantaneous. It was like that car was waiting for me to think about that thing so that it could pull out in front of me. You know, it's just one of those things. I think, I don't know. I don't know how to choose. Again, like I just feel like my whole life is kind of a series of crazy psychic experiences. And to me, I wouldn't have it any other way. Like I love having a constant experience of this like magic and mysticism and connection and communication with all that is and my guides and my spirit babies and and my ancestors and all these things. So I don't know that I could really narrow it down. If I think about if I think about something crazy, you know, I'll come back and and let you know. If I think about like something that I'm missing right now, right now I can't think of anything like. I can't think of anything right now, but I'll come back to it. All right. Okay. So somebody said, please teach us what you know about solar flares and how they impact us. (laughs) So it's so funny that I'm like, people are asking me these solar flare questions. So a little bit of backstory. Uh, At the beginning of the year, my husband and I were making dinner together and he was teasing me about all of the ridiculous spiritual things that I say. He was he was imitating me lovingly. And we, it was just so funny that I was like got my phone and I started taping him as he was imitating me. And we created this little video about it. And one of the things that he was imitating me on is my is me basically like talking about solar flares and how I was feeling affected by them. And so I'll give even a little bit more backstory on how I became aware that I'm really sensitive to solar activity and solar flares. And then I'll describe a little bit about like what I know about solar flares and how they impact us and so on. So a couple of years ago, I beginning, this was probably beginning of, yeah, around 2022, early 2022. I wasn't technically tracking solar flares at this time because honestly, I didn't know what they were. But I remember I was just having a couple of months where my sleep was really weird. I would like be really tired. And then as soon as I kind of got into bed and tried to go to sleep, my heart would start racing. 
And I was like full energy, like fully awake, fully aware, fully alert, couldn't sleep. When I was sleeping, my sleep was really interrupted. And so I was just like, you know, like what asking my guides, like, what is this about? Because it didn't feel physical necessarily. It felt very energetic, but I was having a hard time finding the root of like why this was happening. So I found like very serendipitously, I found this Instagram account of this woman who was talking about solar flares and the Schumann resonance and chronal mass ejections and radio blackouts and all these different things. And what I noticed is I was able to find a correlation to the nights where the energies were really high and there was a lot of solar flares or there was a lot of like um, kind of incoming energy or electromagnetic energy coming onto the earth and the nights that I was having a really hard time sleeping. So I made this correlation and I asked my guys, I was like, did I get it? Did I, am I right? And they were like, yes, you found it. So I just continued following these people who were talking about solar flares. And basically a solar flare is a super intense burst of radiation coming from a specific sunspot on our sun. And it's like this explosive event and they can last anywhere from minutes to hours. We can have a lot. It can be a very like active solar weather day. It can be a very quiet solar weather day. And usually these solar flares are experienced in tandem with something called coronal mass ejection. So it's basically like these like bursts of energy. It's these bursts of electromagnetic energy or radiation. And when it hits the earth, you know, they say, oh, it can just cause issues with like electronics and communication systems. But of course, like we are electric frequency beings like we are we are these very sensitive electrical (laughs) beings right and so naturally our energy fields like receive these bursts like we feel these bursts and some people I think are more sensitive to solar flares than others like I am I can feel a solar flare coming before it even registers on this app that I have If you're interested in learning more about solar flares and tracking them and just seeing if you can find a correlation in your life between a solar flare, how you're feeling, you can get this app. It's called Space Weather Live and you'll get the notifications and it'll tell you like radio blackout in progress. And then every time there's a radio blackout, a solar flare usually follows it and it just will kind of help you track all of these different events that happen in our solar system with our sun. And I find it, so I'm really sensitive. I find I can feel them coming. I find that it manifests differently on different days, right? And this is just because of like the different frequencies that they're bringing in. I believe, and I know I've talked to a lot of people who are kind of in the solar flare like space, that this is not just like random bursts of energy. I believe that it's incoming energy supporting planet earth in the ascension process that we talked about earlier this kind of shifting process to this new earth frequency that this energy is incoming can sometimes make us feel uncomfortable but it's making us uncomfortable because it's upgrading us it's upgrading our system it's upgrading our consciousness and so i react differently every time to solar flares sometimes they really hit my stomach and you know my stomach is kind of upset other times it affects my sleep where sleep is kind of a little bit disrupted or the nights feel really long this person talks about something called time dilation 
where time either goes like really quick through the night as you're sleeping or it feels just like a really long night in the energies. If anybody's experienced this, you know what I'm talking about. I would say one of the most common symptoms that I get from solar flares is head pressure, crown pressure and headaches. This is usually what I've been shown is there's this like massive amount of incoming energy trying to come into my system and I need to like adjust my channels and adjust my receiving channels in order to receive this massive new kind of like wave of energy. Headache, pressure, stomach issues. I can also really when sometimes when a solar flare is happening, I get these like huge waves of just like super high vibe energy, like really just like love frequency super high energy, so grateful. Everything that I see is beautiful. So they can be really beautiful and really positive. I think just sometimes our physical bodies need some support in how we're receiving the energies of the solar flares. So I hope that helps to answer your question. I'm actually going to have my husband, Cameron, come on the podcast probably next week hopefully. And we're just going to talk and answer more questions because a lot of you have had questions just about him and his journey and where he's at on his spiritual journey and what it's like living with me. You know, we're doing this series over on Instagram right now, like living with a spiritual person and what that could look like. And so I'm going to have him on to talk more about what that looks like. Somebody asked, so how to support psychic development in children? I think this is a whole other episode, but I also am working on... I'm going to be working on a course or a workshop or something. Again, like I said earlier, like a new earth survival kit for parents and children. So stay tuned. Um, somebody said, do you use your gifts for deciding small things? Food at the, how to choose food at the store, how to get home, et cetera. Yeah, I use my gifts for absolutely everything in my life. It is so interwoven in how I live my life, how I make decisions. Definitely how I choose food at the grocery store, you know, hold two packages of food and feel which one has a greater resonance with me and my body, which one is going to be more nourishing for me. Definitely like, you know, for directions, if the GPS is telling me to go one way and my intuition is saying, don't go that way, go right instead. Definitely. Um, I use it a lot with scheduling and just kind of like looking ahead at my calendar. I actually had this experience a couple of weeks ago where I had this day in my calendar that was totally open and I'm like a very busy person. And when I have a day that's open and I'm like available to work, I'm going to try and book it. I'm going to try and like fit people in where I need to fit them in. And I was looking at this day and I just heard my guides or my through my channel say, don't book that day. Don't put anything on that day. It didn't make sense because it was in the middle of the week. I was like, I'm available. I'm ready. I don't know why, but I've learned now to just trust those kinds of things. Like I just trust that information. And so I just left it. I didn't book it. And it turned out that that day there was actually something kind of turbulent that happened in the morning that affected me for the entire day. It it ended up being kind of like a really challenging day. And I'm super, super glad that I didn't have anybody on that day or I didn't have to like reschedule anybody on that day because it was just not an ideal situation that I had to work through. And if I needed the, the day to be able to work through it. So you know, that's one way of scheduling, you know, choosing flights. If I'm traveling, I'm always tuning into like, what's the flight that has the least amount of interference possible. I will tune into the pilot on that, on the day that that flight is going out, making sure that I can't sense any delays for that flight. And this strategy has worked for me so well. I've never missed a flight, never missed a connecting flight 
honestly, my flights are never delayed when I fly because I'm doing so much work on the on the front end, just tuning into all these things to make sure that there's as little disruptance as possible. Disruptance? Disruptions. I think I think I just made up a word. Also, my abilities are kind of like like a great like Google machine. I was on a hike a couple of weeks ago with my husband and we looked at we were in a different area. We were about two hours from home. And so it was a totally different ecosystem. And we looked up and there was these birds and they were so, they were making the most strange sound. And we were like, what are those? Like, they're not seagulls, they're not geese, they're not herons. Like, what are those birds? We were near, we were near um, a big body of water. And I, and I, and we were just, you know, we're kind of talking about, we're like, what are those? And we both didn't have our phones with us. So we couldn't like look up the bird call. And all of a sudden in my mind just downloaded this thought, sand cranes, they're sand cranes. And I said that out loud to my husband and he was like, sand cranes, what are those? I had never heard of them. He had never heard of them. Sure enough, when we got to the car, we whipped out our phones. We Googled the, we Googled sand cranes and listened to their call. And it was the exact same call of the birds in the sky. So to answer the question, yes, I use my abilities in absolutely everything that I do. Absolutely everything that I do. They are so a part of my life. And it really creates the most beautiful life experience, just trusting my intuition and my ability so much. Okay, what would I tell... Next question. What would you tell your medium self when you were first starting? Oh my gosh, this is such a good question. I, well, first of all, I will say I actually had this beautiful experience the other day where I remembered I actually, you know, because I believe that time is not linear. Time isn't linear. It's, it just seems very, um, time seems real. Well, we're here on this planet and there's a past, present, future. And that's the way that time seems to exist. However, I believe that we can go back and work with our past self energy and that past self technically is existing in the now and our future self is existing in the now and everything actually is happening and existing right now. And so I actually, in a meditation a couple of weeks ago, I spontaneously regressed to this moment very close to the beginning of my spiritual awakening when I had had this dream that I was giving this reading to a mother and her daughter And I just remember like I was supporting them and I got this message from them afterwards in this dream saying, you know, you have helped us so much and you've helped to shift our perspective. And, you know, I just remember feeling this dream like so, so filled up by that. Like, wow, like I can do that. I can help people in that way. That's amazing. That's all I've ever wanted to do. And I remember my in my past self version in that quote unquote memory I remember waking up and being like, that was so amazing. And I feel so good as I'm remembering that dream. But then my mind came in and was like, that will never be possible for you. You know, you can never do that. Like, that's not your life. (laughs) Like, who are you to think that that's something that's possible for you? And so my present self went in and kind of like worked with my past self on that memory and was just like, it's so possible for you. Like, you're doing it right now. You are living this right now. What you're doing, what you were doing in that dream, like, you can do this and you will do this and you are doing this and just like keep going. So I think that that's what I would say. You know, I had like anybody at the beginning discovering their gifts. I had a lot of self-doubt. I questioned myself so much. I questioned myself so much. I gaslit myself like crazy, crazy. And I think what I would just say, like as a very simple message is just like, you can trust your perception. 
Like you can trust your perception. You are not making it up. You are not like conjuring this from your imagination. I think that that's something that I had that messaging quite a bit is like, oh, you just have a super vivid imagination, which many like sensitive children get that messaging, right? And I think we have to do a lot of like unlearning around that as we grow older of like, no, 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 that was never my imagination, right? Like that was something mystical happening to me. And so that's what I would say to myself as I was first starting. And I think I would also say like, I am so proud of you because there are things that my past self when I was first beginning uh, as a practitioner and spiritual practice that I did. But even today, I'm like, how did I do that? Like, how did I find the courage to do that? I mean, like going into strangers' homes, like I'm super introverted and giving a reading to like 25 plus people. Like, I mean, reading for like six hours straight. I do not recommend any of this, by the way. Um, It was like very much in the beginning when I had very little boundaries. But just some of the things that I did where I was like, even today, I'm like, well, how did I do that? And so I think the other thing I would say to, to that version when I was first starting is like, I am so proud of you for having the courage to get out of your comfort zone and to offer your gifts in this way. Like you're doing so good. Like you're being so brave. That's what I would say to her. And that's a great question. Thank you for asking. So I am at this point in my life where I am taking a buttload of supplements. It's just where I'm at. It's what my body is is asking for. As I've been speaking about on this episode, I'm really working to rebalance my body and my mineral stores and my vitality after a long period of deprivation from an eating disorder to veganism. So finding ways to support my body as it balances its equilibrium is you know, it's just where I'm at right now. And I will not be in the season of my life forever. I won't be taking, you know, a bunch of supplements forever, but this is where I'm at. And so I found a company that here's the thing. You get me if you're also in the same boat as me is like taking 100 pills per day. It gets a little old after a while. And so I found this amazing company and it is called Milk Moon and they have the most incredible liquid supplements. So I first started taking this. I first started taking Milk Moon's Nourishing Fertility Tonic. I was like, I'm going to give this a try. I heard about it through a friend and I started taking it. First of all, the taste is amazing. It's sweetened with a little bit of raw honey, some cherry concentrate, some cinnamon. The taste is so good and it has all kinds of incredible herbs that are really powerfully supportive for people on a fertility path, such as chase tree berry, shatavari, it's got nettle leaf, raspberry leaf, yellow dock root, rose hips, goji berry, so many beautiful nourishing things. I actually was talking to somebody who said that they were taking the nourishing fertility tonic while they were trying to conceive and conceived very quickly with triplets. So this person was like, you know, take with caution. (laughs) So if you are on a fertility path or you're trying to conceive or you're calling in a baby right now or in the next few years, I highly recommend giving Milk Moon's Nourishing Fertility Tonic a try. I have actually noticed that in the two months that I've been taking it, my cycles, which can sometimes be a little bit irregular, are actually, they've been super regular for the last cycle that I had, which is incredible. It's already making such a difference in my cycle and its regularity and the regularity of ovulation and this sort of thing. So 
That's the first thing I would recommend from Milk Moon. Also, if you are postpartum or you are pregnant and you are moving towards the postpartum phase, they also have a postpartum tonic that just seems so dreamy. What a beautiful way to support your body in the postpartum phase where your body is has all kinds of new needs and replenishing minerals and nutrients and all of the things as you are rebalancing after pregnancy. So they've got postpartum tonic. I also really love their renewal tincture. It has ashwagandha, rhodiola, tulsi, milky oat, and it's really amazing for supporting your body after periods of intense stress or sickness. And this tincture has been helping me so much after taking an extended vacation and easing back into my work at the beginning of the year. It's made the transition so much easier. So if you are interested in trying Milk Moon, I will link it below and you can use code EMILY10 at checkout to get 10% off of your order. All right, next couple of questions. We're actually almost through all of these questions. Wow. I did it. Well, there's a few that I'm skipping, but I'm skipping the few that I am skipping. I'm skipping because I think they could make really great future episodes. Okay. Somebody said, I've lost my intuition and my sense of knowing. How do I get it back? Oh, this is a big one. So number one, knowing that you cannot, it's impossible for you to lose your intuition. I think that a lot of us have this fear that like our gifts are going to go away or they're stronger sometimes than others or they're not always strong and, you know, they're kind of fleeting and they'll come in, but then we lose them again. And, you know, this is all this is all just belief. It's, it's not actually true that that we are in this time on the planet where we are allowed. It is our birthright in many ways for us to have a strong sense of connection to our intuitive self, to our intuitive knowing. And it's not something that can ever be taken away from us. What I will say, I don't know the circumstances in this person's life, but I do know that if we are going through a period of intense stress, traumatic events, um, we are, you know, overtired and busy and we have a lot of balls in the air and there's a lot of things going on and there's a lot of things that we're managing it can temporarily seem like our intuitive sense has kind of become more or become less dominant or prominent. However, this is just what it seems like. It's not actually true that if we really took the time to tune back in and to clear all of the noise and all of the fear and all of the mind chatter, we can usually find our intuition again quite easily. So I don't believe that we can lose our intuition. I don't believe that we can lose our gifts like anything. Like I said in the beginning, we go through seasons, right? We go through ebbs and flows in the evolution of our abilities. Sometimes they can seem to be less strong. They can seem to be in flux or in a transition. And that's another part. Or we can just be in a really challenging, trying time in our life where our focus is just naturally being directed in other places. And so I think it, you know, could just be a, a, a moment in time where you're perceiving that this is the truth. And I know that you will find your way back to having a strong sense of, of trust and knowing in your intuition. And perhaps even when you come back, it's even stronger than it was when you felt that it kind of regressed. So sending you all my love in that process. Somebody said, I was feeling twin energy and getting lots of signs that I was having twins turns out to only be one baby. 
why does that happen? And could it be that two souls are sharing a life here? So for anybody who hasn't read my book, it's called A Cosmic Bond, Communicating with Your Spirit Babies from Preconception to Birth. I, I do a whole chapter on twins. And I think that that's where I would direct this person to and direct any of you who have had a similar question. The other thing that I will say, and I've said it before on the podcast so many times, is that having a twin or having a multiple pregnancy is a very specific incarnation. It's a very specific incarnation. There's a lot of different moving parts involved in that. Sometimes twins, you know, this is very common. I'll see that there are two energies circulating in a family, circulating around a parent. And at the last minute, they decide to actually only come in. One energy actually decides to come in. However, something that is a new thing on my radar, this actually just discovered this in a reading a couple of weeks ago, is that I was working with a mother who felt the same as this person, feeling twins, getting lots of signs for twins. She is currently pregnant about 24 or five weeks or so and has made the decision to not have any ultrasounds through her pregnancy. And so she won't know if she's having twins until her birth. And what they told me when she asked me about it, she's like, do you think this is twins or not? I'm feeling kind of like, no, it's just one baby. And when I tuned in, there were definitely two energies still connected to her. But they said that one of them was going to be the primary energy having an experience and the other one was going to be a separate this a secondary energy having an experience. And so technically this would be two energies sharing one body and one incarnation, which I had never heard of or seen before. So that was kind of a new experience for me. So I definitely think that that is something that is possible as well. Um, and if, the, if you've also gotten that information, would love to hear from you because that is still something that's new to me. This new on my radar. Okay, I think that's, I think that's it. Well, actually one more question I'll answer. And then the other, I'll answer one more and then I'll touch on one more question before we close. Somebody said, how to know when it's time to conceive again after having miscarriages? So I think this is a, is a question that probably a lot of people who have had miscarriage think about of, you know, how to know when you're ready, how to know when the souls of your children are ready, how to know when your body is ready. I think there's a lot of different moving parts here and there's a lot of different kind of desires. And I mean, the simplest way to say it is that you have to wait until all of these things kind of align for you as a soul and as a, as a being to feel ready, right, again, to conceive. Um, and you have free will. And so you may decide that that's like a month after your miscarriage. That might be a year after your miscarriage. You might need more time. And I would just say the time that you're called to take is right and it's perfect for you. And it, again, may be different than what somebody else might choose for their body. I also think there is like your body's readiness, right? Your body will be giving you signals and signs of its readiness of how soon you get your period back or what your period is like, or maybe there's more hormonal balancing that needs to happen. And, and you know, that's something that need, needs more time or takes more time, right? So I think there, yeah, it's it's worth tuning into just like what you feel the readiness of your body is. Also, we have to tune into the readiness of the soul again, right? They might be ready very quickly after miscarriage. And that's something that I'm actually seeing a lot. I'll probably do a whole other episode on this, but in late 2023 and early 2024, I'm seeing there being a lot of my clients and a lot of people that I'm working with having very early miscarriages. But then that soul coming back in almost immediately, whether that's in the next cycle or the next two to three cycles. So that's something else that I want to talk about because I've gotten a lot of information on why that's happening right now. 
And it's a it's a very specific energy that's happening for a lot of people. So I'm going to be talking more about that in a future episode. I think I'll do a whole episode on that. But just really kind of tuning into these three factors, like you personally, like what do you feel your mental, emotional, spiritual readiness is to start trying again after miscarriage, your body's readiness, and then also tuning into the readiness of the soul of your child as well. Okay, so I hope that's helpful and I'm sending you lots of love. All right, final question. And actually, the the reason I wanted to say this is because I think we'll do a future episode on this um, with a friend of mine who is a brilliant plant and an animal communicator. And she actually did this series on Instagram a while ago that has to do with this question. So the question is, every time I drive by roadkill, I get full body shivers. Why do you think or what do you think about this? So I have my personal thoughts on this, but I'm going to save it for a future episode with this friend of mine because I think this will make a very exciting conversation, very interesting conversation. I'm going to try and get her on in the next couple of weeks or so. So stay tuned for an episode more on working with the energetics of roadkill and why we're feeling it and plant animal communication and everything else. It should be it should be a great episode. All right. I think that's pretty much that's all the questions that I wanted to answer today. And there's a few that I'm going to be saving for episodes to like expand upon in a full episode because there's a few questions in here that I'm just like, yeah, that, that's that's a biggie. That's a big topic. We'll, we'll touch on that in a future episode. So stay tuned for that. Thanks for playing along, everybody. If I answered your question, let me know. Would love to hear how the answer resonated with you. Or if I answered a question on here and you have more questions about it or you want to share a question, thought, reflection with me, feel free to DM me, send me an email. Would love to hear from you you. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so that you can be notified as soon as new episodes drop. And if you feel so called or so inclined, I would love it if you could leave the podcast a five-star review. It helps me to reach more beautiful spiritual seekers just like you. So hope you have a beautiful rest of your day and your week, and I will talk to you soon.